What's good, Denver? What's up, everybody? What's good, Denver? This is a weekly celebration of culture and discovery and fun stuff to do in Denver for kids, couples, singles, and old-timers. I'm Ryan Estes, and today we are with DNBBTNT. The core. That is drum and bass boys, Tom and Troy. Oh, man. Man, I got to get the drum and bass track back to Troy. I actually did put some hours into it, though. Let's go. There's a... It's... It was going crazy when Troy sent it back. I was, Troy, I almost was like, I might have to dial something in a little bit. Like, <laughs> the, Troy sent it back is like going hard as hell. Yeah. I was did, like, I wasn't expecting it from you, Troy. Can we get a sneak preview of the track today or what? Is it ready for that? Just maybe a snippet? I can, I can probably play uh, Troy's demo that he included with the last version of it. We can, and I think I could get it to go through. We get a little sneak preview. Nice. Yeah, that would be awesome. Okay, see if you could key that up. For people that don't know, well, first and foremost, we miss Olivia. Olivia's not with us today. She's feeling a little under the weather, so we hope you get well real soon, Olivia. But these two guys have been working on a drum and bass track, and and I've been I've been trying to like weasel my way in with a, a tambourine solo. So you guys let me know when that's it's ready for that. And, oh. and I'll just go off with that tambourine. Yeah, you can definitely get some tambourine. <laughs> I love a good tambourine solo. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd be the first and probably last to rock that into a drum and bass track. But yeah, last time I heard that track, it was sounded really good. So we'll we'll get into that. All right, today's feature is Denver history, and we'll kind of go light with it. We just got a couple of things we're going to touch on. Tackling Denver history is is. It seemed a little overwhelming when I started thinking about it, but I was like, ah, forget it. We're just going to do something light and fun. Um, and then we are planning on bringing Kyle in here, and we'll get real deep on some yeah. Denver history. He's going to have some history for us. Yeah, he love that guy. Okay. To follow the show, go to kitcaster.com forward slash Denver and subscribe to YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Today's sponsor, once again, Samana Float Center. That is samanafloat.com. 26th and Larimer, right on the heart of Rhino. You can go and die yourself in with a, a wonderful float. You can go just float away your worries. You can just go float away to another dimension. 90 minutes of uninterrupted, just quiet, beautiful chilling. We love Samana. We love floating. Floating is like a great pastime. You got to go check them out. Samanafloat.com, especially this year, starts to get a little chilly. You know, warm your bones. Take the pressure of gravity off your joints. Have your joints mm -hmm. even experienced gravityless environment? weightlessness joints yeah, I'm, I'm going this week actually nice. so yeah. it's going to be my first float and i will report back with my findings nice man one thing i like to do in there because you, you have time you know 90 minutes just floating on your back is some time mm -hmm. one thing i like to do is i'll like crunch up in a little ball and squeeze really hard and then i just like completely relax and do that a few times and it has this weird way of like really like opening your hips up a little bit like you can like really get into your joints and fully relax. I mean, it's, it's kind of wild because, you know, a lot of those like yoga techniques pay off in there where, you know, you, you realize that you're holding tension, even if you're just laying down, you're laying down and you're like, wow, actually, if I think about it, I'm, I'm still kind of holding myself up. It's like, let the water 
like just completely support you and like really, really relax. Oh my God. It's the best. Samanafloat.com. Love you guys. Um, today's music is by Troy Higgins always. And also it looks like we're making a guest appearance um, from Tom Donahue with this remix. <laughs> yeah, do we, do we have a name for the, you got it up? Do we got a name for the track yet? No, no. we were originally going to remix the, uh, the song, the intro song, but I think we kind of just went off the, off the radar and did whatever. I mean, Troy just sent over the original beat and then I took it from there and then Troy absolutely made it crazy. Should, yeah. should we try and see well, if it goes through? Yeah, this yeah, is a little bit. All right. So. Oh, hold on a second because I know that I should be seeing it right here. Let me just make sure. Okay. I think it should be coming through. I'll be able to tell once we uh, start it, but. And you might have to hear it from this. From though. here? Okay. Can Troy hear it? Let's see. Mm -mm. The stream can hear it. Nice. I can hear it. I can hear it from the left. I can't hear it, but I'll imagine it. Yeah, I know what it sounds go. like. I know what it sounds like. <laughs> Dang. See right here for this drop. Oh yeah, the drop's coming. Tambourine. So oh, a little bit of... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the wrist going. You guys, this sounds really good. Let's pull it out of the I'm excited to hear which parts you guys are referring to in the post. About to be the main drop at the end. That's great. That's ooh, just hit my mic. That is the track currently. Well, I've got I've got a couple hours in of changes to that, but um, I mean, I didn't even know what to do when Troy sent it back. I was like, damn, there's a lot going <laughs> going on here. I don't even know where to go. But uh, it's it's sounding pretty. I'm, nice. I'm excited sounds, to hear where it goes. Yes. Yeah, it sounds really, I mean, the mix is amazing, but also it's like, it doesn't ever really let you relax into it. It's just changing and changing. It's, it's amazing. Good track, boys. Got the tracks going. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And I'm just putting it out there. The track name TNT, see that stands for TNT. Troy and Tom. You could have like a little cartoon dynamite on there. <laughs> It would look great on a 12-inch. That's what I'm saying. That's actually pretty good. <laughs> now, that'll good sell. group name. 
yeah. <laughs> battles. <laughs> What's the current state of drum and bass? Uh, I think it's huge in the UK, like massive. Yeah, it's, it's huge yeah. in the UK and, and Europe. Yeah. I was just over there and they love it. Yeah. yeah. Over here, it's not as much, but it's creeping its way There's a around. S- smaller niche for sure over here. Yeah. I mean, I, when I was over in Europe, though, that's where I was hearing some good stuff. Yeah. I just heard this random guy in like Amsterdam disrespecting us. It was really good. He was disrespecting who? Everyone in the crowd. Oh, really? <laughs> with bass. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. That was good. And we had a good time there. We just weren't expecting it because it was uh, this event in Amsterdam because we were in Amsterdam a couple of days before going to Tomorrowland. And uh, there's this one like dance club there that is pretty notable called Milkwagon. They have Cheeky Mondays. So we were like, Cheeky, okay. We, d- we didn't really know what it was going to be, but we we're like, it's probably going to be some like club, like like some UK. Disco club, stuff. Some UK bass or something because yeah. it's cheeky. And then we went and there was just drum and bass in our <laughs> face the whole night with the MC going and stuff. He's nice. Like freestyling. It was good. That's cool, man. Yeah. Shout out to Denver history. Like back in the in the 90s, there was a club called Snake Pit and they had great drum and bass nights. Really? Dang. Yeah. And back then too, that, that was like drum and bass was like the future, you know? And then I remember in kind of late nineties when I was managing Dazzle, we'd bring in a couple of bands that would do live drum and bass stuff. There was a group called Cocktail Revolution. There's this drummer named Zach Peatlock and he would play drum and bass live drums. And it was so sick how he did it. So he would like, he would put like the, the hi-hat kind of over the snare so that like he could play like the, he could like go in between, like yeah. underneath it. Oh, That's that crazy. Yeah, he was dope. That guy was amazing. He was like a reggae drummer and then he could just like do it at like 4X speed. Yeah. It was so cool. Nice, so man. Let's rip into some uh, events for this week. I got a couple of things. All right. All right, let's do it. So uh, Thursday, November 16th, we have Toddler Storytime at Bar Lake. And I just want to give a shout out to Colorado Parks and Wildlife for their robust child children's programming at Bar Lake. I mean, it, I keep reading all these events, but it's just so cool. You know, whoever's doing stuff over there, they got massive motivation and just create all these cool free events. I know about this. Where Where is Bar Lake? Bar Lake, it's, uh, it, man, I got to Google it because I think it's uh, up 285 and double check. Oh, wait, it's in Brighton. Piccadilly right. Road in Brighton. So it's a little bit northwest. But, you know, you can bring your preschool child and listen to stories about the natural world. Join part volunteers the fourth Thursday of every month for a different story. That is wonderful. I love it. I also got Mark Marin on here. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of Mark Marin's stand-up comedy. He's playing Friday and Saturday. He's playing at Comedy Works South down by in the Tech Center. Um, not to disparage his comedy, I think it's for the right person, but I love his podcast. I don't I haven't listened to it in years, but like to just as a as a, a podcast guy, you know, you gotta tip your hat to Mark Marin, who really broke the doors down for for gigantic uh podcasts. The one with uh, Obama back in the day. Absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, I also have a musical event, I believe it was at the Ogden, and this is a uh, Koan Sound presents. LED by Ancient Light. Cone sound? K-O-A-N? Is it cone yeah. sound? Yeah. Do you pronounce it cone? I, that's what I always thought it was, but if it's koan, dude, I, they make some crazy I've stuff. I've always sound, yeah, said man. cone sound, too. Well, I say koan largely for, like, the Zen riddle. 
I figured that's what it was, but I think you could also pronounce it cone. I I think either way, they're <laughs> probably pretty hyped yeah. that uh, we we are debating it. Yeah, yeah totally. Th- those guys are absolutely amazing. I really like them too because they have kind of a, a I don't even want to say, I mean, it's like 90s like dance music, like retro at this point because it's a retro sound, but they definitely have that like live instrumentation kind of old Bill Laswell thing going on. Yeah. Super sick. And also it's kind of like tech, tech house. They with, got a bunch of really cool different stuff. I, I definitely have some of their stuff saved. Yeah, totally, man. So shout to those guys. I saw them. And, and again, this like reminds me of, of back when people were like really mixing like uh, electronic music with live instrumentation, sound tribe and those guys back in those days. They do that stuff really well. So they are playing Saturday the 18th at the Ogden. Shout to them. Um, and then I'm just going to be super basic here, and I'm just going to say Sunday, November 19th, we got the Denver Bro- Broncos versus the Minnesota Vikings. Dang. I'm back on the, on the Broncos bandwagon. The Broncos. They got three wins. That win last night was one of the weirdest games I ever seen. Troy, did you see that game? Yeah, they've so they beat the Chiefs and the Bills two weeks, in, yeah. two games in a row. Yeah, I know. They're streaking. I mean, they kind of just stomped the Chiefs, which I I already went into that. That felt good. But that game last night with all the fumbles and the turnovers and missed kicks, they had it. They were down by one, missed the kick at the end, but the the Bills had twelve guys on the field. It's like, dude, the up back has one job, literally one job. Yeah, count the players. <laughs> that, yeah, that was insane. Not what I would have predicted at all. So, you know, I mean, Russ, he's playing better. He's, he's making weird reads, but like, I, I really, I was, I was very critical about Sean Payton, you know, but now it seems like he's really figured out how to, to dial in Russ. It's like, just let him pass it three yards down the field. Like don't mm-hmm. no thinking Russ, no thinking, just short passes. And then Javante is just running like a beast. So, you know, I, I mean, we're four and five at this point. We win two games We're six and five. Uh, maybe there's a chance at the playoffs. It'd be amazing. The, your defense looks Bronx. incredible. And um, I think you're tied with the Chargers now. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Uh, Chargers yeah. could have one more win. I'm not sure. Well, they lost last week, I think, to, to who was it? The Saints or something? Yeah, you're tied wow. with the Chargers now. They lost to yeah. the uh, Lions. Oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, the Lions are on a, a tear. So, yeah. So, I mean, like the AFC West is kind of, I mean, obviously you got the Chiefs up there, but everything else, like, you know, whoever finishes strong. And it's crazy to say that the the Broncos defense is looking so sharp. At, uh, Bill, mean, we just, the Bills fired their offensive coordinator this morning. So, they you can. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, did they? Yeah, you can tip the hat to the Broncos for that one. Wow. You, I wonder what that was about. Josh Allen throwing picks. Yeah. It's like, is that it? Is that his fault? But yeah, I mean, we, we, we'll see how this, this season, you know, ends up. It'd be hilarious that, you know, we, that Miami goes off on us like that. We get to the playoffs, but Hey, stranger things have happened. You know, Tom, what do you got on tap this week? I am going to go through a couple things. Also, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you did a little comedy feature, I was thinking about this and I got to hold myself accountable because I was definitely wrong. I saw that Dane Cook is going to be in Denver this week. Nice. And I was just like, what happened to that guy? 
because he was like on that vicious circle tour doing like the biggest stadiums in the country. And then I was like, oh, I, I guess he kind of just disappeared for a while. He like fell off. I think his brother stole his money or something. But yeah, he was like a gigantic comedian. Yeah, he was huge. Yeah. And, and then I was going to be like, oh, I don't even know what the Belco Theater is. But then I looked it up and that's pretty big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, sorry, Dane Cook. I did doubt you for a second. I thought Belco Theater was going to be a smaller place, but it's definitely a huge spot. But that's going to be November 17th, which is Friday. The Dane Cook presents the perfectly shattered tour. I remember when he was just like the biggest thing, that vicious circle uh, Netflix special from MSG. Yeah. That was huge. It was in the round. So he's like doing his like, yeah, his stomping around. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. That he, was, he there's was nothing like that. Before. Totally. Um, so I'll mention that for good old Dane Cook. And then where I'm going to be Friday on the 17th is Disco Lines at Mission Ballroom. Disco Lines is dope. He's a new, fairly new uh, DJ producer. It was the best set that we all saw at Electric Forest last uh, summer. So we're going to go see his headlining show on Friday. But yeah, that it was sick. He he make, makes like a lot of tech house, uh, bass housey stuff, but like, and disco stuff, obviously, disco lines. But um, he was just thrown it down at electric force we were all so surprised at the things he was playing so it was a great set and he's been kind of on top of the game uh, nice. for the last few months since then um and then saturday i just saw this as well but there's an ableton live free workshop from sound barrier music academy cool um sounds pretty sweet they're gonna be going through giving you tips tricks hold on let me just read this little uh description Join us for an incredible learning experience hosted by the renowned certified Ableton Live trainer, Amiri. With her expertise and passion for music production, she'll guide you through the realms of sound design, automation, and resampling using the powerful Ableton Live software and Push 3, which is there, the Ableton like beat pad controller. Cool. I got a Push 2. I don't know if I'm allowed to participate with my <laughs> Push 2, but that sounds dope. So I'm, I think I'm definitely going to check that out. That's November 18th from 4 to 6 p.m. And that's on Santa Fe, uh, 652 Santa Fe. Yeah, that's what I got. Nice. Nice. That Ableton thing sounds really cool. I remember the, it's almost like um, a live beat making thing, but it sounds like it's more like a workshop. So yeah, probably... this seems like a workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Learn new tips for sound design, automation, and resampling via Ableton Live and the Push 3. Sick. Nice. All right. Check that out. Cool. Well, let's go right into our feature. Are you shreddy? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Okay, cool. So we got Denver history. And I, I was thinking about this. I think it could have gone a couple of different ways, but I wanted to just feature like, um, I've been really into like the old West lately. I've been reading a lot about Kit Carson. I've been thinking about, I was talking, thinking about talking about him, but even though there's like a, a town in, in Colorado called Kit Carson and he was you know, all trumping all over the West and Colorado really wasn't a Denver guy. So I was trying to think of like a good, and there's, there's so many amazing old school Denver guys. Um, and so the, the, the guy I pulled is little Raven who was an Arapaho chief and he was kind of instrumental in early Denver. Particularly, I, I love this guy because he, he represents, I think something in like, um, the, the story of the West that isn't often, 
talked about, which is like the indigenous native peoples that were kind of like living um, amongst the white people and were able to kind of come in and out of that culture very fluently, spoke English, you know, spoke all, uh, uh, he spoke Cheyenne, obviously, and Arapaho, which is similar and related, um, but an absolute legend. So here's a couple of his highlights. So he was a guy that was signing treaties with the U.S. federal government, which of course were broken. Um, he negotiated peace between um uh, various warring uh, tribes and also ultimate peace treaty that resulted in kind of like um, reservation allotment uh, for the Arapaho and Cheyenne with um, the federal government. So, you know, this guy stands out not only be, well, also because there's a, there's a, a, a short street um, that's named after him down by the skate park. And that area of Denver yeah. is is the oldest part of Denver, which is confluence of Platte and Cherry Creek. You know, so this is this is where basically um, a couple of things happened. This is what was an indigenous like uh, in settlement for many many years, largely because there's water there. But it also became kind of the the base operations for what was Larimer and later became Denver because it was kind of the passage that you had you came through if you wanted to go through the Rockies, mm -hmm. you know? So basically you got all these like covered wagons is kind of westward expansion is happening. And they're like, Oh, we want to go to New Mexico. Or we want to go to Oregon. You know, mm -hmm. you, you stop at the confluence of the Platte and Cherry Creek and look at yes. those mountains and you're like, Oh shit. You stay here for a little while. And <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm not sure if I'm trying to go through that yet. Yeah. I don't know. Like, you know, uh, wait for the summertime. Yeah. Maybe we need to chill here and maybe two summers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, houses start popping up. You're like, they're like, you know what? Actually, this place is pretty dope. Yeah. Let's stick around. Let's stay here. You know, and so Little Raven was one of the guys running around the early dusty roads of of Denver. Um, him and Soapy Smith and, and you know, creating opportunities for all, all the people that were, you know, the, the 49ers, the 48ers and the 49ers that are coming through trying to get to California, go strike it rich, you know, which really kind of was a early boon to the what you could call Denver economy. Um, awesome, dude. Um, I'm going to actually send uh, a link. I, I didn't pull it up, but this book I'm reading right now has a great chapter about Little Raven. He was an absolute G. And just to give some context, he was born in 1810 and died in 1889. So like mm -hmm. he was born in Nebraska, you know, uh, on the plat with his tribe. And I mean, just the, the, the breadth of history that happened in that time. And, you know, that he was kind of riding shotgun for the whole thing. There was kind of like a one anecdote too, that, you know, his, he was actually camped outside, um, uh, for the, the Sand Creek Massacre, which is obviously a, a terrible moment in Denver history. But basically, you know, he wasn't a part of that because he was camped far enough away that Shivington and his guys didn't ever reach him. So mm. shout out to Little Raven. Dang. Yeah. Love that guy. Tell him what you got, buddy. I am going to talk about my brother's bar, which is the oldest operating bar in Denver. Um, no way. So, yes, definitely. So it it just celebrated its 150th anniversary um, in August of 2023. So uh, I actually got I found this little history of the bar, and I'm going to walk us through it because it's pretty cool. Um, 
But yeah, so it's it's over in the low high area, kind of by for anyone who doesn't know, like behind REI is the best way to describe it. The REI right on I twenty five over there. It's right across the river from Little Raven. It's literally right by yeah. where you were just talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, right on that same area, and I got the history. So it started in eighteen seventy three, called the Highlands House. It opened at Fifteenth and Platt, same address. That's where it is right now, <laughs> um, f- as a boarding facility for Italian immigrants. Um, they didn't have burgers yet, but this is when it also started as a bar and restaurant. So it was a boarding facility and bar and restaurant. Then in the 1920s, uh, 18th Amendment came, Prohibition, um, but they were still selling. They, they were brewing beer in there, so they were selling beer and gin rickies at the spot at that time through the 1920s and prohibition. So they were still, they went through prohibition. <laughs> that was that medicinal uh, alcohol back then. Oh, definitely. You had to have definitely. prescription. And then uh, this is, so I don't know who this poet is, but Neil Cassidy, <laughs> um, this is in the 1960s. He has a notable moment at the bar. Um, and this ends in a pretty interesting uh, kind of story, but, Bro, you don't know who Neil Cassidy is? I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> I don't know who that don't is who either, is actually. Oh, my God. Okay. I got some books for you guys. Yeah, or Jack Kerouac. You yeah, it's him? A, it says right here, poet Neil Cassidy, who helped inspire his friend Jack Kerouac's On the Road. Yeah. Um, Neil ran up a tab at the bar, and they have a signed copy from him of an IOU for his tab from 1944, huh. still hung up in the bar. I'm not sure if he ever paid that um i'm but assuming not <laughs> this this part of the um story gets pretty interesting but essentially there was a second floor to the bar and after this like time in the 1960s the, it like disappeared <laughs> nobody knows what happened to the second floor of the bar whoa and now it's just like a stairway to like the roof and just stairway to nothing. So it says uh, the second floor mysteriously evaporated, leaving behind what is now called the stairway to nowhere. At some point, we think in the 60s, the second floor disappeared. Um, there's no evidence of a fire and no one has any recollection of it. <laughs> so nobody knows what ha- happened to the second floor of my brother's bar. Dude, it's a mystery. Yeah. Is it, oh. So that is interesting. Is it the original structure, like it, it, where it started? Oh, yeah. It's still the original building. Uh, like, wow. And there's stairway up to the second floor is still there, but now they call it the stairway to nowhere. It just disappeared. And, and people remember that there was a second floor, but nobody knows what happened to the second floor of the bar. Very weird. Weird. So. Yeah. Neil Cassidy is true uh, son of Denver. So he basically, I mean, could have credit for the beat generation and the hippies. Dang. So like the, he, he was from Denver and uh, Jack Kerouac's book on the road is largely about Neil Cassidy trying to find his dad. His dad was like a wino on the streets of Denver. And so he was their complete madman, right? So they're like traipsing across the country, New York to LA to Mexico, going, driving all over the place. This is like, Kerouac and um, Will uh, Bill Burroughs and um, what's his name? Oh, come on. He founded the Naropa Institute. The other poem he wrote, Howl. 
it'll come to me. So they're, they're all, this is a major literary movement of the 1940s and 50s. The, the beat poets, the beat generation, this is coming mm-hmm. off the, the freshness of bebop and jazz when like the pinnacle of underground music was bebop. And Neil Cassidy was at the very front of that. Then he gets a little bit older. He ends up in like, I think Berkeley with a Ken Kesey. And Ken Kesey was a guy, he had a, a group called the Merry Band of Pranksters. And they were some of the first people to get LSD prescribed to them. Um, really? Because, yeah, this is when it was still legal. And they were doing different experiments. This is like the MK Ultra stuff. But so Ken Kesey writes a book called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which becomes a gigantic hit, a literary hit. And then mm. there was a great movie about it. So he took all that money and created all this audiovisual stuff and like a big old school bus. And like they painted up and got all these like people tripping hard. And so he would go from town to town and turn people on to LSD. They called it the electric Kool-Aid acid test because they'd put mm. acid in the Kool-Aid and just trip everybody out. So he, yeah, so yeah. Ken Kesey, then he's hooking up with this new band called the Warlocks that later became the Grateful Dead. And so now they're traveling around doing music and visuals and acid and going completely bananas. Anyway, Ken or uh, Neil Cassidy is the guy who drove the bus. Dang. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, he's got a couple different uh, roots in all these different histories here. Yeah. Yeah. But a Denver guy. He sounds like a, a legend Denver guy. Yeah, he's an absolute legend. You Denver guys, legend. We we should do a book club and read on the road because it is just like the ultimate bromance. That's the one that they uh, mention right here. Jack Kerouac's on the road. Yeah, it's the best. Sounds cool. Why why can't I remember the name of that that gosh dang poet? Say so, uh, Tom Google uh, poet that founded Naropa Institute. This is drive me insane. Big beard, Naropa glasses, super famous. Institute. Oh. Yeah, because and Narupa, um, of course, is in Boulder. Now is a big part of like why why that kind of went off. Uh, a list of people came up: Annie Waldman, Andrew Schelling, oh. Michelle Naka Pierce, Anselm Hollow, Jack Colum. Oh gosh, dang it! Chagyam Trungpa. Chagyam Trungpa Rinpoche. No, not that guy. That guy. Mm. <sighs> Alan Ginsberg. Okay. There we go. Jeez. Allen Ginsberg. Yeah. So, so Allen Ginsberg, uh, William Burroughs, Jack Kerouac had this like core of like in this like mission and they all worship Neil Cassidy. He was like their hero because where they were like very scholastic intellectuals, he was a complete madman, you know? And what's wild about that bar too, is now that I'm thinking about the timeline. So you got just for a little bit of context, you said it was built in 1873? Yeah, it opened up in 1873, starting as a uh, boarding facility for Italian immigrants, but also a bar and restaurant as well. Okay, so in 1868, Little Raven took the Southern Arapaho to Fort Sill, basically onto their reservation in 1868. In 71, he goes to D.C. and has a sit-down with Ulysses S. Grant, the president of the United States. The, the president offers him uh, a medal of peace, and he refused it. He said, I've never been at war with the whites. Um, that's in 19, 1871. So there's a chance that as he's coming back from D.C. to, to the reservation, he might have stopped into this new place. 
yeah. you know, right off the planet. It's like, wow, I used to camp right over there. Now look at we got this like place where you can get burgers. Capelli's place. <laughs> Capelli's. The Highlands house. Yeah. And it's cool. And these old uh, like drawings of the bar, it has the second floor in it. And really? Now, yeah. When you go over there, there's no second floor. Um, but anyway, hold on. We're not done with the uh, history. So in the 1970s, uh, the place is bought by Jim and Angelo Caragas. Um, so they, it was either called Paul's Place or the Platte Bar. Some people debate what it was called, but they are also the reason for the current name, My Brother's Bar, because in order to evade paying vendors, they would always just say, oh, it's not mine. It's my brother's <laughs> bar. So like they both owned the bar, but they would always just say it's their brothers and the brother was, they were never both. Was never there. there. Yeah. 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 So that's how they would get that's away from funny. paying people. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, a couple more things. Mid 1970s, um, Jim used to help his daughter sell the most Girl Scout cookies by purchasing a bunch of them tens of thousands of dollars of Girl Scout cookies and then just sell them uh, in the bar throughout the next few months that it was not Girl Scout cookie season. So um, the tradition still lives. You can still buy boxes of Thin Mints and do dos at the bar. They store the boxes on the stairway to nowhere. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That's what it says. Um, so goes on, goes on, whatever, 1985, not too much happening there. 2016, um, so there's some new people who are uh, around now. Danny and, Newman. Uh, yeah, Danny. Yeah. So the bar is going to be shut down. Danny is the son, I believe, of Paula and Dave um, who are owning the bar at this point. And he's he becomes a successful tech entrepreneur. Um, they are getting big offers from real estate developers to get rid of the place and Danny instead matches the real estate developers offer of 3 million uh, for the location and they're they keep it and they, they keep it and they're planning on so when they're asked what are your plans for the bar they say nothing the point is to keep it exactly the same <laughs> oh that's perfect i, I yeah. know Danny's a saint he did that with uh the mercury cafe too really yeah yeah, he just goes into like these kind of Denver institutions, and there's not only a couple really, you know, that are left that haven't become like you know, Tyvek wrapped millennial kennels, mm -hmm. you know. And he's just like, nope, I'm we're getting these places, and we're just gonna let them be what they are. I just love that. What a yeah. guy. So Paula became the head server around the mid '80s, and Danny is her son, and they were still running the bar. Um, her Paula's husband Dave, which I'm not sure is Danny's father, but anyway, they called him up, and they're like. We're thinking about selling the bars as real estate developer. He says, I'll match it. And then he gives them three million bucks to keep it going. God, that's awesome. So that's the history. And now it's it just hit its 150 year old uh anniversary. That's crazy. So, shout out to my brother's bar. No doubt. That place is amazing. Yeah, we're gonna we we gotta get Kyle in here to to just open up this period. I mean, this period mm -hmm. of Denver history is just Yeah, he knows all about it. He, kn he knows all the characters. He knows secrets. <laughs> I might have missed it. When did your brother, your brother bought the bar? The the bar is called my brother's bar. So when people were coming to look for to for him to pay the bills, 
They're like, oh, it's, yeah. hey, this is my brother's this bar. This whole yeah. conversation, <laughs> I thought your brother bought and owned the bar. That, no, <laughs> oh, that yeah, happens. It's confusing. That yeah. happens. Whoa. That's, I think, what they want. I know, because there was the two brothers owned the bar back in like the 60s and 70s. And in order to avoid paying people whenever they would come, they would just say, oh, no, it's my brother's bar. That's hilarious. I, so it uh, wasn't actually called that then, but then it eventually took up that name. Because I know you have a brother. I do. Okay. But he does not own. So it was it was somewhat believable. <laughs> <laughs> it is confusing because it's my brother's bar. That's what they want. That is hilarious. Did you did you clarify that at any point, or am I just dumb? No, I didn't. I never clarified that it wasn't actually okay. my brother's bar. Okay, but good. I guess people around here do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it's called. That's funny. I the first time I went there, I was amazed that they still have like the the hooks to wrangle your horses up. Outside the bar, like along Platt Street, I think it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you could still park your horse over there. Is it? Want to. Is, and, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, buddy. Uh, go ahead. Is it kind of like a tourist touristy location or does it like actual locals go there? I don't think it's a touristy spot. No. I mean, you never see like people rushing in there as tourists. Anyone who knows about the spot is down to go over there. But uh, no, it's like a it's like a bar restaurant and they got a ton of seating. and Yeah. Really, you just go there and you get burgers and they serve you like an entire like burger bar along with your burger. You get all the like pickles and onions and relish. They bring out this whole big thing with your burgers. Sounds nice. good. Totally. Yeah, this spot, Troy, it's right next to the river. It, this used to be Denver Skid Row right here, you know? And like when I was in high school, there was this wonderful place called Paris on the Platte. That you, it was a coffee shop that was friendly to teenagers. So you wanted to go and write in your sketchbook and write poetry. That's where you would go. You know, there, there was a, now it's, it's all, you know, super built up right next to it is like a Dave spicy chicken. This is like a locals mm-hmm. of local Ooh, spot. I love Dave's. No. Yeah, I know. Oh my God. It's so good. I know. It's so, so you know, let's get, let's get my, let's get my dollar nine times out of 10. It's like, oh, should we go to my brother's bar? I'm like, oh no, <laughs> yep. get some of that Dave. But, Definitely. but it's really cool. I remember, um, it's probably 10, 12 years ago, there were the last remaining kind of like wood building from that old dusty Skid Row era was down there and you could get uh, office space. It was just before they built it. And now it's WeWork, if that gives you any indication. They ripped it down. <laughs> but it was so cool. It was the stables for the police horses were down there. And it was like mm. kind of this whole art collective. So like every all the offices were just old stables and it was it was so cool, man. Yeah, you can. My brother's bar, you could tell it's like all the old brick. Yeah, they built that thing to last in the 1800s. Yeah, it wasn't wood, it was all brick. That's yeah, one that in the door has is like you know how like the the walls come to like a 90 degree point. Yeah, it's a corner door, it's a corner. Yeah, so you know, you you had like this, you don't see those too often. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. You had like the saloon door. So I just imagine back 1873, you want to go check out the new spot. Your spurs are like going on the the, the deck. Mm-hmm. You got to push it open. You got your six shooters yeah. on you, you know? Push it out. Yeah. <laughs> nice. It's, it's cool. Super cool. And they got the horse, the horse wranglers right on the side. Yeah. It's nice. Totally go get a pint. And a, I don't know if they had burgers back then. Definitely. They, well, they used to sell food apparently since the beginning, but I think the burgers started uh, a little bit later on. Yeah. But um, they got a nice outdoor area now too, the outdoor patio in the back. Yeah. I've never been there in like a late night like drinking situation. I'm always there just for like food. 
but I think it it pretty much stays like a restaurant through most of the night. I, think I don't so think too. they ever really get like stand up, like you know, drinking yeah. action going on. Yeah, I, they've never really done much marketing or promotion. It just kind of just kind of there. Yeah, <laughs> you just figure it out, I guess. Nice. Cool. Matt and Savannah brought me over there. Yeah, good spot. Nice Denver history, ladies and gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on any of my facts here. Yeah. So <laughs> let's jump into highlights from the, from last week. Troy, how was your week, buddy? Have you found a place yet? Uh, no, we went up last week, looked at a couple places. Um, unfortunately, we're not a fit. And we're going up again Thursday evening. We'll be up there checking out a couple more. So slowly but surely. Uh, I've noticed, though, that the it's kind of the uh, that time of year where you get deals on places um, people aren't moving a lot mm. during you know the holidays thanksgiving christmas so landlords get more desperate and drop their prices because it's harder to fill um, their properties with tenants so closing in we're closing in on a spot here nice man yeah and uh yeah this weekend did a, a little pop-up shop with my girlfriend she does these uh, vintage pop-ups where she sells clothes um, there's usually a little, some snacks, some wine, and some customers show up, hang out, some music. It's a good time. So uh, helped her set up that this weekend, and yeah, good times overall. Watched some football on Sunday, relaxed. It was nice. That's was, so cool. So yeah. is she a, a picker? Is she a picker? I'm not sure what you mean by picker. Like she she goes and, and like finds the different vintage clothing and then oh. like puts it together and merchandises it and that stuff. It's more, I don't think she actively goes out and does it. It's more just a compilation of clothes she's built up over time. She actively shops for them, but it's not like she'll go out and get a haul and try to resell it. But it just kind of builds up over time. And then her and her other friend who they do it every other month, they'll set up these shops and yeah there's pretty cool random people come by we got a couple sometimes people get them confused with like a um, traditional garage sale like we had a guy it's only clothes we had a guy come up and like ask for if we had any propane we had (laughs) another guy ask if we had tools and then another guy hank hill yeah another guy asked if we had any knives he was looking for knives he was a knife collector so Huh. Yeah. Told him that was he was not looking in the right place. That's awesome, man. So so where are your clothes then in the house? I'm assuming she has all the closets. Good good guess. Yeah. Mine are in the in the garage. <laughs> in the garage. Yeah. I had to build a custom <laughs> custom rack to hang my clothes on in the garage. Yeah. Oh wow. man, you're good, dude. We have the master closet and it's still overflowing with her clothes. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So sacrifices. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. My, my, uh, my wife's a picker. She loves it. She's, she's a collector. She's done much better over the years. She had quite the collection, Oh wow! but she's, she's pared down and that's, that's gone on to my daughter. She's like, she loves it, man. Finding the deals, the bins. Nice. Yeah. Got to find the good stuff. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. But, uh, yeah. What about you guys? What'd, What'd you get up to this weekend? Um, for me, highlights probably hitting the, I hit the Kennedy golf course on Sunday. Um, it's a nice place. My, my buddy, they just had an extra spot on their tea time. So it was a real quick turnaround. He let me know I got over there in like 45 minutes and then 
we played a whole 18. It was a good time. I had three birdie putts. Really? Three birdie putt opportunities. Oh. <laughs> they ended up being two pars and a bogey. Not bad, man. But I had three chances at a birdie, which is like more than I've ever had in any game. I was, and two of the putts literally like skimmed the hole and went past. Oh, man. I'm upset. <laughs> three birdie putts is very it. different from three birdie putt opportunities. Opportunities. <laughs> Yeah, I should have said opportunities the first time, but no, I had to make that clear. Three birdie putt opportunities. Um, two pars out of that and one bogey. So that was that was good. That's darn that was darn good. That's a highlight. Man. I was real close to that birdie. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's coming. I haven't gotten one yet, Seth. So. You must have a mean short game then. No, I mean, it was really just the drives that got me there and then the drive and the approach. Yeah. Um, I can I've been getting better at the short game, but like if I can drive it to like pitching wedge distance, that's when I'm like on the green. Yeah. And then, you know, from there, I, one of them was a really long par four that I got the par or birdie opportunity on. It was like definitely like a 240 yard drive and then hit the uh, three hybrid. I don't know if you know about golf, but I, this three hybrid was hitting it all day. I hit that one like, um, probably close to another 200 and then it rolled up onto the green killer i had like a like a 30 foot putt that went over the side of the hole oh. it was rough but. nice yeah yeah i i'm more of a top golf kind of golfer because i love swinging but like yeah the the the, the putting is i'm a four putt guy yeah and the putting is swearing hard. it's hard it's so hard being good at golf oh. is uh, an expensive hobby too I know. I'm, I'll never get too good because it's really just like I have to go like every week to get good. Right now, I go like once every two to three months. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. It's tough. Nice. Uh, my uh, highlight last last week was high school football, you know, uh, around the country. This is playoff season for high school football. And I uh, my son uh, was playing in his second playoff game, um, which is really exciting. But also, I, I only mention it because it's so fun. Like watching high school football is a good time. Mm-hmm. And I saw um, uh, these two, this, these old timers, you know, they had the sweet bleacher seats. They had the, the fresh Pendleton blankets. And I could tell that they weren't really cheering for any particular team. They just showed up for a nice fun showed night. For the energy. Yeah. 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 It was like, you know, it's like, I don't know, five bucks to go see a high school playoff football game. And, and they're exciting, man. It, I mean, you can always expect some, some weird turnovers and, you know, you know, get out there and support your local high school football team, ladies and gentlemen. It was it was a blast. Uh, my son's team lost spectacularly, but you know, it was a great season. It was a great season. He started out, and the shout out to Ozzo, our sports correspondent. You know, he started this season in in February. Was the preseason started in February, and he was still in eighth grade. And you fast forward all the way to now, and he's suiting up for varsity playoff game. What an arc. What an arc. Suit up. Got to be there. <laughs> Sleep right now. He's got, he's got a big, cool. big high school career coming, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. yeah. Suited up as a freshman. Yeah. Got to come. Yeah. He was going to wrestle, but then he's, I don't think he's going to wrestle now, which is too bad because he's a really good wrestler. He definitely would be good at that. He's got all his BJJ training. And stuff. Yeah. He's, he's a good jujitsu player. And he was the district champion last, last, uh, last year with his team. At I think a hundred and 
26 pounds, you know, but I, I think that, you know, when you're a freshman, are you wrestling? It's, it might be a little intimidating. I don't know what it is, but he doesn't want to do it. So I'm like, all right, man, well, then it's protein shakes and squats, dude. We're yeah. getting ready for football now. If next he wants year, to, if he wants to be done with football around senior year, he could just show up in wrestling and run the game and keep his <laughs> jujitsu up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm bummed out though because man, you talk about cool sporting events. Uh, wrestling, I, I I think it's one of the best spectator sports there is. Mm -hmm. You know, especially the state championship where you have like 12 mats. So I'm gonna be bummed out. I've not seen him wrestle this year, but I'll, I'll probably still go to the matches. We will get him hyped up. Get him get him to walk on next year. It's a lot more spectator friendly. Like if a lot of spectators watching jujitsu, they're not going to really know what's happening. They're yeah. going to be like, why did that person tap out or something? Totally. Wrestling, they're like, got your shoulders on the mat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you slam the mat. Yeah. They're like, two. Yeah, totally. I know. In jujitsu, you're exactly right. Especially in the gi, it's just like, what are these guys doing? Yeah. You're just you like really know hugging each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is he? Wait, he's getting choked? Yeah. How? Yeah. Well, and they're like six, seven minute rounds too. So you're kind of like waiting for something to happen. Whereas mm -hmm. like wrestling is like, you know, two and a half minute rounds. Boom, 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 boom. It's in and out. You Slabs happening. Slams totally, man. So we'll see. We'll see. No wrestling this year. That's fine. Maybe I'll get them over here and we'll take them to that new gym. We'll go. We'll go get them all beefed up. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cool. Sounds dope. All right, guys. Well, that's a wrap, man. Thanks for sharing the new track. I can't wait to hear the next next version. Definitely. 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 Coming soon. I got to put some more work on. Yeah. Cool. Um, shout out to our sponsor, Samana Float Center. That's samanafloat.com. Definitely please follow the podcast, kitcaster.com forward slash Denver. And you can subscribe there on Spotify, Apple, or YouTube. Um, we are live streaming on Tuesday mornings. If you want to put something on, you could you could subscribe there and, and watch the stream. Um, that's it. I appreciate everybody for listening. And goodbye, Olivia. Hopefully we'll see you in a couple of weeks. We missed you. Um, other than that, have a wonderful Thanksgiving next week. And uh, we'll talk to you all real soon.